Well, hello, I'm Father Timothy Matkin, and this is Matins. I'm glad you've joined us. This is a kind of a special arrangement here. Today I want to do kind of a show and tell about the Anglican altar books that have been used over the years, what we call the Missals. Uh, the Missal is basically a book that has all of the parts for the Mass, hence the term Missal. There were some early versions of this called the Sacramentary that had perhaps some uh, other sacraments uh, as well included in the book. But as, as time went on, uh, the way things tended to be organized is that uh, the Missal would have everything for the Mass, and then you'd have another book, the Rituale, for some of the other sacraments and so on. But among Anglicans, when we talk about the Missal, usually what we're talking about is the book on the altar, because the prayer book is what's out in the pews, but they did a special version for the altar um, because of you didn't need everything that was in the prayer. You didn't need 150 psalms up at the altar and that sort of thing. You just needed the parts for the, that were used at the altar, the Eucharist. And so they put that together in a special book. Of course, made it larger, larger print. And uh, so among, among Anglicans, we've tended to refer to the altar book as the Missal. So when we talk about the Missal, that's usually what we're talking about. So I wanted to look at some of the ones that have come up over the years. Uh, some of these are a part of my own collection. Most of these are a part of the collection here at my wonderful parish, St. Francis. We had a wonderful uh, titular festival last Sunday, uh, but very sadly, we also had a parishioner that passed away yesterday. May she rest in peace. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. Well, before we get into the Anglican missals, here is the Missale Romanum from 1962. Uh, this is my own copy, and you might think, well, why did you shell out all that money to get a Latin missal? Well, of course, I'm interested in liturgy, so it's a, it's a prize, definitely. But it, I came across uh, basically a deal that I couldn't pass up years and years ago, uh, maybe even back in the 90s, I guess. Uh, Roman Catholic Books was offering a special sale on these, and I don't know if they're trying to get rid of their inventory or if they had a special sponsor underwriting it to promote uh, this stuff. But anyway, I think it was marked down to like 50 bucks. So I'm like, well, I, I got to get one. And uh, it's a very nice edition. I believe it is a reprint of a Benziger Brothers um, edition but it doesn't say so inside. It just says, reprint by Roman Catholic books. And one thing that you'll notice is that everything, every single word, is in Latin. The whole thing. So this is, for example, just a part of the instructions. Uh, so here you have, Ritus Servandus in Celebratione Missae. In other words, how to use this book and how to celebrate the Mass. So all of the rubrics are in Latin. Um, all of the scripture readings, everything from cover to cover, except for the note about uh, this is reprinted by Roman Catholic books, uh, and the uh, signature of John Cardinal O'Connor is in Latin. Also, another thing that may have made this a deal is that it, it came with a sticker <laughs> that you put in the canon to add the name of St. Joseph, because St. Joseph was added to the canon by... Pope John the 23rd, and that was like the one last final change um, of the 1962 last typical edition. And so that may have made this kind of a little bit less attractive, and so 
they mark down the price and so on. Anyway, you see how the text of the uh, readings and the propers are a little bit bigger than the instruction in the front. And then when you get into the canon, everything is laid out even uh, further. Everything tends to be bold as well. I'm not sure that exactly makes it easier to read. Um, for me, I don't think so, but I guess that's up to various people's opinion. One thing you'll notice also, we came across it here, is all of the chant, all of the music, is not in modern notation. So it's in the old, uh, I guess you'd say Gregorian notation, the square note notation, where there's a four-line staff instead of a five-line staff. Um, and it, for those not familiar with this and very familiar with the other, it can be, as I understand, sort of difficult to transition from one to the other. But for me, not reading music, uh, but knowing these tunes by heart and just kind of following the ups and downs, for me, the Gregorian notation is a lot easier. Uh, for one thing, the way it's laid out, it's, it's a lot closer to the words and it can be sort of more compact together. Um, and for me, it's just easier to follow the ups and downs and follow the tune. So this is the Missale Romanum. And of course, at the beginning of the canon, you always have a nice picture of uh, the crucifixion scene or something along those lines. Now, this is something, and I think this was used here at St. Francis, but this is the granddaddy of them all, the Anglican Missal. So this is the one put out by the Society of Saints Peter and Paul. Uh, let me see what the edition here is, 1939. And I'm sure this was not the first one, but this is basically all of the prayer book, along with all of the minor propers that go along with the readings, plus all the supplemental readings and propers for days not included in the prayer book calendar, uh, other saints and uh, days like uh, Corpus Christi and uh, Christ the King and, and those. It's, this one's a little bit smaller in terms of the size of the page than some of the others, um, but it's a lot easier to read, I think. The, the bold is not quite as thick as in that last book. And for me, when it gets too bold, it gets more difficult for the eye. Uh, so I think this is a nice layout. Um, if it were a little bit bigger page, <laughs> it would be a little bit thinner book. This is an extremely large book. Um, I mean, you look at that, look at that stack of pages there. This looks like one of those exhaustive dictionaries uh, that you would find in an old library. Let me see how many pages we got here. The, tr the trouble is you, you have an additional section that starts over the numbering. But before you start the numbering over again, you get up to 1,300 and 45. So that's a lot of pages. One thing also interesting about this, the Anglican Missal, is that this was put together in a time where all of the prayer books around the world were basically very, very similar. Um, all of the Sundays of the year would basically be the same. I don't know if there's any variation there. There'd be some slight variation in some places, like in the prayers of the people and in the canon. So this has, for example, the canon of all of the provinces of the Anglican Communion at that time, all the prayer books. 
So you open up, you find the English one, you find the Scottish one, you find the um, American canon, you find the one for India and uh, South Africa and so on. So it's a book that could be used, at least at that time, all over the world. Of course, if you're going to do something like that today, it would be an extremely thick book. But perhaps you could do something that uh, would be along the lines of, a, of an online database where you could have your tablet and you can just swipe the pages like that. Maybe we can put somebody to work putting that one together. Uh, next one, let's look at this. So this is called The Altar Service. This was put out by the Episcopal Church. And as we were talking about earlier, basically it is the um, prayer book um, laid out as much as possible visually similar to the one in the pew, but of course it's larger print. It's also nice that it's two-toned, so the rubrics uh, are in red. Of course, rubric means red, so that's where the word comes from. So all the instructions are separate in color from the text that is black that is read out as the right. Um, but this doesn't have any extras in it, so it doesn't have any minor propers. When we talk about minor propers, what we're talking about is the introit, the gradual and alleluia, or if it lent, the tract, and the uh, offertory, as well as the secret prayer. This is the, the prayer over the oblations. And um, let me see, the, the, post the proper post-communion prayer and the communion verse. So th those are all the minor propers. None of that is in here. And also, interestingly, it doesn't have any music in it. And I think because of that fact, um, it fueled interest in the Anglican Missal, because the Missal had all that music in it. And it's got the same Gregorian notation that we looked at earlier. But since this didn't have any music, well, you could invest in that Anglican Missal, and it would have all the music, and so you could do the chanting that you might want to do, which was picking up interest and, and speed at the time. As far as I know, they never did put out an altar edition with the chants in it. Of course, the chants were put out in other books, in the hymnal, and in some other musical supplements, I believe. But the Anglican Missal was the only one that had an altar book with the uh, chants in it. Let's look at, next, this one that's called the Anglican Missal in the American edition. And so this one was taking that Anglican Missal from the Society of Saints Peter and Paul and uh, putting it in basically all the American prayer book version stuff and leaving out all the English stuff and uh, that from other places around the world. Now this has been reprinted um, this past year, I believe, by a continuing Anglican publishing house, I think um, run by the APA, the Anglican Province of America, I'm not sure. Um, this includes uh, Travers, Martin Travers illustrations. Now this one is is a great resource. It has beautiful translations of some of the non-prayer book um, material. The problem that I have with this one is the layout. The layout is not easy and it's not good. Uh, so the, the hardest ex example is with the sung preface. 
in which you have to turn the page, I think, three or four times as you're singing the preface, if you're going to follow all the words. So the, the introductory words, the sursum corda, and then you change the, the page for the proper, and then they change the page back for the ending of the sursum, sursum corda, and then you change on to the, to the mass. This again, like the other, has the uh, Gregorian notation for all the, uh, these would be the um, proper prefaces um, for the Eucharist. This also has, and uh, it may vary from edition to edition, but this one also has the Gregorian canon, that is the Roman canon, uh, the one that goes back to uh, the time of St. Gregory the Great when it was fixed there, because some parishes were using that rather than the uh, 1928 Anglican uh, Eucharistic prayer from the prayer book. And that really goes back to English practice. Um, with the English prayer book, what you had is a dislocated canon. And uh, it was thought to be um, a problem that needed to be fixed. Uh, the difficulty is, is that Parliament was not going to put out a new prayer book. There was an attempt in 1928 uh, to do so. Uh, the church approved it, uh, but it failed in the Parliament, so it never became official, although it was authorized uh, as a alternative book, uh, and is still, I suppose, authorized today, I'm not sure. Or that might have been taken over by common worship. So the English, what they would do uh, very often, and they kind of gave it a nickname, the interim rite, because it was thought that eventually something formal would be done along these lines. And that's basically, um, they, they did propose a very similar solution with that 1928 proposed English book. But the part after the words of consecration, the institution narrative, was pulled out and moved back and an option as a post-communion prayer. And then the transition from the 1549 prayer book to the 1552 prayer book, the first part was pulled out and moved off forward. And that became the prayer for the whole state of Christ church. That used to be a part of the canon. And it's a very loose kind of paraphrase of the Roman canon. And uh, so we have this kind of dislocation where the canon is spread out in these other places. And so the English wanted to put it back together one of the proposed solutions was, well, let's, um, let's use the Roman canon, but then the part that's covered by the English rite will do that. So the parts that are unique to the Roman canon will say that, and then when we get to the parts that are covered by the English rite, we'll switch to that, and then we'll switch back to the Roman canon. And of course, at that time, the Roman canon was said uh, in a low voice, so people, and in Latin, so people didn't really probably hear it much anyway, and if they did, it, they would have to know Latin or be able to follow along in their book. And so basically, that's what the English would do. They would say the Roman part uh, in a soft voice, and then maybe or maybe not uh, get a little louder for the Anglican part in the middle, and then switch back. And, and it was considered that the, the Roman editions were kind of like uh, uh, private prayers of the priest, and so that's kind of how they got away with that. Well, let's look at one of the other editions, and I'm sorry, maybe I should do a separate video on this, but I did not bring over the English Missal, and uh, that is kind of um, definitely a prize uh, to have. 
The English Missal, like the Anglican Missal, was another attempt to do much the same thing. It had a little bit different strategy, and it was put together by different people, so the translations were slightly different. But uh, the, the idea there, the, the Anglican Missal was the prayer book with the Roman stuff added in. Whereas the English Missal, uh, published by Knott and Sons, K-N-O-T-T, the English Missal was more the Roman stuff with the Anglican stuff added in. So it was a little bit different approach from the other angle. And it was considered that the more, uh, more high or Anglo-Papalist congregations would use the English Missal, and then the more uh, moderate uh, Anglo-Catholic parishes would use the Anglican Missal. And uh, who knows how, how much that's uh, true. It, it might be just uh, who offered to buy what. <laughs> who knows? The other um, Anglican uh, Missal for the United States that's a lot better is this one, uh, which is an older edition. There's a newer edition that's put out by Lancelot Andrews Press, which is um, a Western Rite Orthodox publishing house, and they basically republished the whole thing from cover to cover, but they added in some extras. They put in an appendix with some Orthodox feast day material and some extra, I think probably serum uh, prefaces, which are very nice. So you have a, a unique preface for um, St. Benedict and St. Francis and um, St. Augustine, I believe and uh, even uh, Elijah, uh, because I think Elijah has a special feast day in the Orthodox Church. And then they also put in the canon section uh, for the Western Orthodox Rite, which is very similar to the prayer book, but a little bit different. So they have a separate section for that, so you don't have to follow piecemeal the little additions. You can have it all laid out nice and neat. Uh, and that is referred to as the Liturgy of uh, St. Tikhon, because Tikhon, the Patriarch of Moscow, uh, before he went back to Moscow, was over in the United States, or in Canada, over Alaska, and uh, he supervised um, the revision or uh, examination of the American prayer book, and uh, what, what tinkering they would need to do to make it acceptable to the Orthodox, which wasn't a whole lot. Maybe we should do another episode just on that, because it's interesting looking at what they decided to change and what they decided to leave. In any case, this is by far the better and easier layout. Um, we talked about the difficulty of turning pages in the Anglican Missal and the American edition. Here, it's much better. Also, I find that the type is um, kind of just right in terms of the, the bold and the size, being able to read easily. So this is uh, by far my preferred layout here. Again, you have all of the readings, you have all of the minor propers. I'm not sure if this is showing up on the screen. I might hold it up here a little bit and get a better view. Now this is different from the English Missal in that uh, on the pages with the readings, with the propers, there's no two-tone text. It's all black. But you do get two-tone when you go into the Eucharistic ordinary, the ordinary of the Mass. Um, it would be nice if it was two-toned all throughout, uh, like the English Missal, um, but they decided it wasn't worth the investment. And so in all of the Anglican Missals, this one 
uh, the Anglican Missal in the American edition, and the Anglican Missal, um, at least this edition I have here, it's all black only, black and white only, for the propers. And then in the Anglican Missal, it's also black and white only in the Eucharistic text, but that might be just unique to that particular edition. I don't know, which could be a reprint. Let's see, let's look at the Canon of the Mass. This one is a little bit lackluster, I think, in its um, page for um, the Canon because it's just a photograph of a window, which is not bad, but it's just not as attractive as some of the others. But again, the layout is, is very nice, I think. Easy to read, easy to follow. Um, and again, the Gregorian notation for all the chants. Well, let's look next at the 1979 altar book. This was put out as an official altar book by the Episcopal Church with the 1979 Eucharistic Rite, and it's just called the altar book. But again, most people just uh, out of habit referred to it as the Missal, what goes up on the altar. This again, much like the earlier one from 28, uh, follows the look and layout of the prayer book. Get that there. When you get to the Eucharistic prayer, um, everything throughout the book is two-toned, so you have red rubrics and black text, uh, but you don't have any graphics. You don't have any um, pictures, you don't have any engravings. You also don't have, like the other book, the more artistic um, drop case letters and uh, little, little fancy touches that kind of make it uh, very nice and, and pretty. But you have everything that you need. Now with this one, you have the beginning of modern notation in altar books. So this one you can see, for example, uh, in this Eucharistic preface, everything is modern notation, but they decided to do something a little different here. Rather than have a fine five-line staff, they just have two lines. Because you don't go up a whole lot and down uh, in the course of this tune, so they wanted to keep it closer to the words because with the five line, it would be further away. And basically also they wanted to emphasize that with chant, you can start on whatever note you want. It doesn't really matter. And you go up and down from there. So a person who is singing and you know, their, their voice is lower or their voice is naturally higher, just start where you're comfortable and go from there. You don't have to necessarily match as it's written on the page just match the tune. Um, and this has also, that's different from the others, some uh, extra material in the back um, for Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and all of that. You do have, when it's necessary because of how, how many notes are on the range, you do have a regular five-line staff notation uh, for those parts, like here, the exalted. But you notice it, the exalted begins with a five-line staff and then switches over to the two-line staff because for this part, you don't go up and down that far. It's a very nice book, but none of the extras. Of course, with the 1979 rite, you switch to a three-year Eucharistic lectionary, which means if you're going to do everything like they did before in the altar book, in the Missal, that's a huge book. Um, so. Nobody ever put together a 1979 missile 
with all the minor propers and such. The closest thing was the Church of the Good Shepherd in Rosemont, uh, Pennsylvania, did put out an altar edition for the Anglican service book, which was a traditional language rendition of the 1979 prayer book. And here, it's nice that they have, um, they don't have all the minor propers and stuff, but they follow pretty much the format of the 1979 altar book. They do have red rubrics, which is very nice to have. And also, what I prefer is they do have Gregorian notation. And it's not just copied from the old books, but it is redone to match all of the new different translations and, and words that are used in the 1979 book. And then, of course, rendered in the um, Anglican service book. Of course, it, it has all of the additional Eucharistic prayers and other materials that are uh, a part of the 1979 book. It also has these drop cap um, paragraphs. Uh, which is a nice feature as well. So this is a, a, a pretty good outing, I would say. What else have we got here? Just a few minutes left. These are two um, special small books, you see, just very small. So this one is from the Anglican Missal, and it's just Holy Week. So it's, it's exactly the same stuff that's in the big altar book. But there's a smaller book, so you can carry it around. For, for example, the deacon needs it over here for the exalted, and the celebrant needs, needs it over there for the collects. And so everything for the Holy Week is in this little book, which is a great idea. In fact, we need, we need to do that again. Somebody get on that right now. <laughs> and then there's this one also that was for the English Missal that's just the Holy Saturday material. So it's, it's a little bit larger and really designed especially for the exalted. This is um, a, it's called the Serum Mass Book, and this was put together by a Western Rite Orthodox group down in uh, Austin, Texas, and it's published by what's called the Old Catholic Church in Texas. I don't know if they're around anymore. It's the St. Hilarion Press at the Monastery of St. Hilarion in Austin. Um, I need to check out and see if they're there. It is uh, a nice addition. It doesn't have everything. Basically, it doesn't have any of the propers, um, except for the prefaces. It doesn't have all the readings and stuff. It just has the ordinary. Uh, so it's a very slim addition. And I suppose they published another book with all of the readings and, and so forth. Um, but it's very nice. It's interesting translation. And also, it is not the uh, Roman rite that was standardized after the Council of Trent, but it is the Sarum English um, use. Lastly, we'll close up with, um, for the 2019 prayer book, uh, the Anglican Church in North America has put out two altar books. One is in publication now. The other one is um, soon to be published. Um, I served on the uh, traditional language uh, subcommittee that put together that edition, and so I did the altar book version of the traditional language text. Um, so I don't have a, a uh, printed, um, published bound copy, uh, but it should be very nice, a leather bound and large print and two-toned and so on. Um, and basically what I tried to do is stick as much as possible to the look and feel of the um, of the pew edition. 
what we did do, and this, this printout is not two-tone, but the published version will be with red rubrics. So we did some drop caps. We did some nice kind of fancy ones. We found a nice fancy font. Uh, the font throughout follows the font used in the um, Pew edition of the prayer book, except for those drop caps. And then also we did modern notation, and um, I think it's going to be very, very nice. We didn't do graphics um, like we did in the um, contemporary version. I just wanted to keep it very traditional, and uh, we try to make everything as easy as possible so that you don't have to flip back and forth, you just move forward through the book. And so, for example, the solemn prefaces that are chanted here are, are all laid out nice and large on two pages facing each other so you don't have to turn pages. And uh, I, I think people will like it very much. Maybe we can do another episode looking in a more deep dive on that. Well, that's about all the time we have for this show and tell. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we will see you next week. God bless.